Isn't God good to us? Um, there's a song we used to hear um, on one of the first albums I remember hearing when I came over here from Ty Tribbett. He says, he brought me from a mighty long way. He brought me from a mighty long way. Like, I, I don't know if you understand how far he's brought me from. The situations I found myself in, the trouble I found myself in, the hurt I found myself in, the night when I was crying and you didn't see me, the one, the night where the concern was so great, I thought this situation, this darkness won't pass. But he brought me. He brought me from a mighty long way. He didn't have to do any of that. I could have been left back in 2002 and 1993 and 97 when things were going terrible. Hallelujah, but he brought me from a mighty long way. I thought there were some moments in my life when I thought, this is just what I gotta get used to. This is just the darkness I have to get used to. Like this is just what life is now. But he brought me. Hallelujah, but he got me out, he brought me out. Hallelujah. David said it like this, he delivered me from the snare of the fowler. There was somebody who set a trap for me, like I was a little bird. But the scripture says he delivered me from the snare of the fowler. You know what the snare of the fowler is? It's a, it's a trick they put on birds, that the more they pull, the tighter it gets, the more they struggle, the worse it gets for them. Like the more effort you put into it, the more strangled you become. Somebody has to come about and say, calm down, I got you. Let me undo the snare. Let me get you out, you're okay. calm down. I'm gonna deliver you. That's what he did for me. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. All of my effort, all of my desire was making the situation worse. But then he came along. Universities and these know the word. Another thing, one thing to know something, it's a whole nother thing to agree and believe it. 
Like, I've seen people who can quote scripture more than you and me. But they don't believe a single word of it. And as a result, the word not mixed with faith does nothing for them, but brings salvation to me. They can quote, regurgitate, remember, reiterate, distribute the word, but don't believe a single word of it. And as a result, there is no salvation for them. There is a difference between knowing and believing. I've been talking about kingdom because I need you to understand there's a difference between knowing there's a kingdom and believing and entering into the kingdom. Like there's a lot of people who know about the kingdom, but there's so many more who don't simply believe it and we have to show what it is to believe. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm gonna dive into a word here. I'm not gonna be before you long. It's gonna be a short one. We see what the Lord says. Um, I'm, I'm blessed today. I'm just so glorified by the, 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 the singing that was, was, was done, was the songs that was presented. Can you remind me, was it the third song, the second song? I never remember which song it was. Worthy of it all, thank you. For from you are all things, and to you are all, you, des you deserve the glory. Like, this is what is appropriate. You deserve this. Like, I know where you brought me from. You deserve this. Like, I come every single Sunday, seriously, thinking about how we can perfect praise and thanksgiving. Why? Because he deserves it. Like, he deserves this. He deserves us pouring over what, is, what are we gonna sing, what are we gonna say? What are we gonna sing? How are we gonna sing? I don't want to give Lord the last, that's not the way I think about this Sunday. I think about this as the start of my week. I am not giving him what's left over. I'm giving that to the rest of the week. This is me giving him all I can give. And the Monday through Friday, my job to get what's left over. I'm not giving him what's left This isn't the end of my week. This is the start of my week. I am saying, Lord, all the best of me I want today. Whatever's energy I've got left over, oh look, the rest of you can have that. My friends, my, my family can have what's left over. But Lord, I want you to have the best. Man, when you come preparing for Sunday, think about it that way. He deserves it more than my job does. He deserves my attention more than my job does. I'm gonna tell you something else. He deserves your attention more than your worries do. More than your concerns do. He deserves the glory. Sometimes we wanna give glory and attention to the trial. And the Lord's standing there, ready to free you out of it, saying if you just pay me some mind right now. You get deliverance. So grateful. Today, I know he deserves the glory. Worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Ah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I was looking at a picture from one of the latest telescopes they have. It is looking into parts of space they didn't even know existed.
it is looking into parts of the, the space and the universe that have to this point never been revealed to human eyes <laughs> and I was looking at it and the only thing I could think when I saw this 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 picture this wonderful picture of the the, the amazing universe mapped out in front of you is what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you why are you over us concerned with us one inch on this particular picture represented billions of light years just laid out there meaning the vastness of it was too much for me to comprehend and yet one inch represented more space and region than I could even imagine in my own mind. Bigger than our solar system, bigger than our galaxy, galaxy, bigger than anything we know. And I'm saying to the Lord, why do you care about us? And I'm so grateful that he looks on this simple planet and says for, and the scripture that Jesus said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. This is the one he cared about. Look at the vastness of space and everything that thing there. And this is the one he wants to love. This is where he wants to pour his love out onto. Man, he deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. Oh my Lord, thank you Jesus. He deserves it. Uh, he deserves you pouring over that PowerPoint, making sure the picture's just right. You selecting fonts we ain't never seen. Why? It's deserving of it. It's not for me. He deserves it. We're trying to pick out the right selection. Yes, he's deserving of it. I want to praise him just right this week. Oh, you're picking out outfits. You know what? We're picking out outfits and saying, ain't nobody here to see but us. But have a guess what? He deserves it. <laughs> he deserves all of it. Ah, glory to God. I, I just love, I love what we have. I love what we're doing. I love what we're purposed to do. I said to my wife yesterday, you keep coming, I'm going to keep preaching. That's just the agreement. You keep coming every Sunday, I'm going to keep preaching every Sunday. That's my commitment. Hallelujah, glory to God. You keep coming, I'm keep preaching. That's what I've been given to do. Lord is good. We've been going over kingdom. I hope you understand why I've been going over kingdom a lot. I want us to not mistake why we're here. Singing's wonderful and I love doing it. I think he's deserving of the praise and glory. But there's no sense in singing if we don't make the kingdom. If we don't become kingdom. No sense in doing it. So I've got to go over some basics. A whole bunch to make sure we are oriented correctly. Yes. I want to make sure we do this till it sticks. Yes. So that when people, people, what, what do you mean kingdom? Uh, I'm going to tell you what kingdom means. Yes. I've got it right here. <laughs> this is here right now. I'm showing you what kingdom is. I want to go to my first scripture. It's in St. John chapter three. We've been here a while. I know we've been here a while, but this is an important scripture. Um, I'm going to read a little bit more than is on the screen right now, but the, the focus will be <laughs> what he says to Nicodemus. I'm going to start at verse 1. There was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, 
For no man can do these miracles that you're doing, that thou doest, except God be with him. He is recognizing God with us. God with us in this one. He recognizes the prophetic nature of, God, of Christ. Recognizes Jesus as a prophet. Because what he's basically saying is if God is with this man, he's a prophet. He's from God. He's recognizing that part. Your knowledge of who God is is a good start, but it's not kingdom yet. Okay? What you know is good, but it's not you believe that is the most important thing. Let me keep going. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, <laughs> you're telling me I'm a prophet and I, you're right. You're telling me that I'm from God, that God is with me, you're right. But I need to tell you something in response. Except, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Clearly this response is brought out of his lack of spiritual imagination. He cannot imagine what Jesus means to be born again. Jesus responds in this way, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus is here telling Nicodemus there needs to be an awakening, a rebirth in you that allows you to see the kingdom of God. There is a mindset that is in this world that is incompatible with the spirit. Yeah. It doesn't allow you to see what God wants you to be or kingdom he wants you to be in because it is not compatible with the spirit world. <laughs> I told you last week about this idea of what bees can see and what they cannot see. They can see blues, they can see greens, but more importantly, they see ultraviolet. Ultraviolet is important because that allows them to identify the types of flowers that they need to go after to get pollen, to get nectar, to get the things that they need to eat. Without the ultraviolet sight, they're going to be hanging around with the wrong flowers. We pick flowers based on the yellows, the reds. But that's because our concern isn't with the nectar and the pollen. Our concern is just with what the eyes see. Amen? So in order for me to be an effective bee, I would need to augment my sight. I'd need my eyes made over. I would need my eyes reborn. So I need to see the ultraviolet that is invisible to me right now. This is what is happening with the world. They can see the flower. They just can't see what is good about the flower. They know what a flower is. They pick flowers. They put them in their houses. But they don't understand what makes the flower good because they don't have the eyes to see. The same way. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was always healing the blind? Like that's the one person he was going after all the time. Blind, ten blind. Blind person here, a blind person there. Why? Because it was a perfect metaphor for who we are. We are blind. We're not seeing. We're not able to see the kingdom. And only when he shows up, only when he corrects the problem, they tell you about a person who's blind and they say specifically, this one was blind from birth. Of course he was blind from birth. What do I expect to see? He was blind. That's who we are, we've been blind from birth. 
not realizing that the power of the flower has got nothing to do with the color yellow, everything to do with the ultraviolet light. He's telling us the world that you're looking at, the kingdom you're looking for, you won't see unless you're born again. Amen? So we are going to be focusing on this idea of born again. And I want to keep going. He says, verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So it is to everyone that is born of the Spirit. You're not going to be able to tell what is going on. Like the same way when you look at the wind and you see the outcomes, you don't, you don't understand necessarily where it came from or where it's going after you see. All you see is the leaf shaking. That's what you see. That's what the world sees, the leaf shaking. But they don't understand what's happening underneath. The principle is there's wind blowing. You don't know where it came from, you don't know where it's going. That's what it's like being in the flesh trying to understand the nature of the spirit. You see the thing shaking, but you don't know where the wind came from. You don't know where the source is. <laughs> you don't know how this started to be. You've just grown used to the fact that something's shaking. You're gonna miss whole kingdom events happening if you aren't born again. You're gonna see the thing shake, but you're not gonna miss, you're gonna miss where it came from. You're gonna miss the intent of the spirit where it goes. If in fact, you have not been born again. Nicodemus, verse nine, I'm getting to, to where I wanna focus. Verse nine, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? How can this be the way you've just said it? Can you imagine being in a conversation with somebody, somebody says seven sentences to you, six sentences to you, and all of a sudden, you don't even know what life is anymore. Like you don't even understand life. Like you've said seven verses to me, and I no longer understand anything. How can this be? You know you've been knocked out of all your spiritual sense when somebody says to you in seven verses, oh, I don't understand anything man. How can these things be? That is Nicodemus's response. He doesn't know. The funny thing is, he knows an awful lot, but the problem is he's not believing the right thing. <laughs> he's saying, basically, I, I thought I knew everything there was to know. Like people have relationships with the word, but they don't believe what it's saying. And until you start believing what it's saying, you won't be part of kingdom. <laughs> All right, let me keep going here. Verse nine, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things, how can the things you've just said to me actually be the truth? <laughs> Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? You're a master teacher. You've been reading the word from before Jesus was on the planet, even though he's not realizing that Jesus is, not, is the eternal I am. He doesn't realize it yet. But before Jesus was literally born on the planet, Nicodemus has been in this teaching and preaching. <laughs> and he says, don't, you're a master here and you don't realize it. And what am I saying here? There's difference between knowing and believing. Verse 11, verily I say unto you, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. Like, we have been telling this message. Jesus is saying, I've been preaching this message for a few years now, and you're not receiving what I've said. You've heard it, you've acknowledged it's from God, but you haven't received it. 
What am I saying then about kingdom? People have heard this message repeatedly, which is why I'm going to keep going at this until I hear the right responses. People have heard this repeatedly, over and over again, only for them to realize that they don't believe, but they know. And I've got to get you from knowing to believing. Let me give you an example. Um, Sawmill Road that we all go down. That is, I think, a 40 mile per hour uh, area. I think it's about 40 miles per hour. It's two lane on both sides. Now I know it's 40 miles per hour. I, I know it. I absolutely know it's 40 miles per hour. Um, I never go 40 miles per hour. I'm trying to go at 50. Because what I know also about 40 miles per hour is I know why they made it 40 miles per hour, but I also know, I believe I'm just a good driver. So I know what the speed limit is, but my actions show what I believe about the speed limit. My actions show that while I know it's the 40 miles per hour, I think I'm a good enough driver to, to knock up 45, possibly 50 if I'm feeling in a good mood. Like I'm gonna be up there a little bit what I know and what I believe then are completely different things. Like, I know what the speed is, but I only, I live what I believe. I don't live what I know. I'm not living what I know, I'm living what I believe. So the speed I choose is what I believe. I'm not trying to break the law. What I'm trying to do is get home safely. And my intent is to believe that 50 is going to get me home safe. <laughs> you see what I mean? We can know something and it have no value to us until we start living and believing it. If you don't start working on what you know, <laughs> you're going to miss the benefits of it. Now, if I got into a fender bender today, God forbid, I bet you next week, how, how fast do you think I'll be going next week? 40 miles per hour. It will turn what I know into what I believe. Oh, they were right. They were absolutely right. I need to be 40 miles per hour. I've stopped knowing it. I've started believing it. You can't make me go more than 40 miles per hour. Last time I did, I got into a fender bender. I know why they've got the forces. I not just know, I believe them when they say Do you know how much that cost me? The last time I went 42, never do it again because I believe my safety's worth it. You see the difference between knowing and believing? You can know it, but until you decide to be born again, you are not believing it. I need to get us believing this. I don't want you to just know it. The problem that Nicodemus has, he knew everything. He knew the whole thing, front to back. Jesus described him as a master. He had mastered the thing he was learning. The word of God he had mastered, but he didn't believe it. Because had he believed it, he would recognize who Jesus is. He would have saw him straight away, and I've got to do what he says. Ah, he would have recognized him straight away. He would have seen who Jesus was and recognized him, but he didn't because he only knew what he knew. He didn't believe what he saw. Ah, glory to God. St. John chapter 14, if you will. St. John chapter 14. 
Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. St. John chapter 14. One of the name, one of the game, John 3, 16. John 3 and John 3, 16. St. John chapter 14. These are formative scriptures for us. I know we've read them a thousand times. I know that we've gone over them. We're going to go over them another thousand times. Have you guess what? We're going to go through them until we get it. Until we resonate over and over. It resonated before. It resonated in the middle. It's going to resonate again. The scripture says, uh, it's one thing that Bishop Barber was saying. A few, few preach, he was preaching last time. And he says, he that believeth. And he was very distinctive about believeth. Meaning that you are continuing to believe. Like, you can believe something, like, and then stop believing. And I want us to believe and continue to believe. That's why I'm going over this. We've got to believe and continue to believe. It's an enduring kind of belief, an ongoing kind of belief, an enduring belief. We can't just believe one time and then just forget it. We've got to believe and believe and believe and believe. Ah, glory to God. St. John chapter 14, verse 1. said, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is speaking to the disciples just in the final moments of his ministry on earth. This is the final moments before he is taken into persecution and ultimately the cross. St. John chapter 14, he's telling them, knowing what is ahead of them, he's saying to them, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Yes. The love, I can't stay on this too long, but the love he's pouring out. You know when you can tell somebody really loves you? Is when they have problems coming up and all their concern is about how you're doing. Like, their concern is still about you. They've got debts, bills, and they're trying to shove $10 into your pocket to make sure you're doing okay. That's a love language that I recognize. When somebody, you know somebody doesn't have a lot, but what they have, they're sharing it with you. Jesus, for all that we say he is God, and we are absolutely correct to say it, he's an absolutely a man right now, who's about to be going up against the cross and death, and he knows it. But what is he saying to his disciples? Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, let not your heart be troubled. Oh, don't you be afraid. Don't you worry. I'm going to do something to take care of you. This is love. Anyway, I can't stay on that topic. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And this is verse four is the one I really want to focus on. And whither I go, ye know. And the way you know. He says, so basically I'm just going to rephrase that question. Where I'm going, you know. And the way I'm going, you know, he's just said all this, I'm going away, I'm gonna prepare a mansion with the Father, I'm gonna prepare it for you, and then I'm gonna come back and receive you. Where I'm going, you know, and how I get there, you know. And this is Thomas's response. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether or where you're going, 
How could we know the way? We don't know. You just said we know, you, we know where you're going. And Thomas is saying, actually, no, we don't. We have no idea where you're going. And if we have no idea where you're going, how can we get there? Like, how are we going to get there? <laughs> I want to tell you something again. Knowing something is different to believing something. <laughs> they call him Doubting Thomas for a reason. He knows Jesus. What is Jesus' immediate response? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. You're trying to get somewhere and you're confused about it and you're asking me where it is and how to get there. I am the way. Uh, knowing who Jesus is and believing on him are different things. The disciples have been with him for three years. Don't be embarrassed if this is the first time you're getting it on that level because they've been with him for three years, the physical, walking, talking word. They've been with him this whole time, watching him literally feed 5,000, watching him literally raise people from the dead. And he, they don't know the simple message that he's both the way, the truth, and the life. They still haven't figured it out. Man, that's why I'm gonna remind you over and over again, if Jesus himself walking with these people, they forget or don't realize we're going to do the same thing. <laughs> so I'm going to keep repeating it until we get it, until we believe it. Uh, so Thomas is saying, I don't know where you're going. And I certainly don't know the way. Like if I knew I would, I would have committed to it, I'd have gone. But Jesus, Thomas is saying, I don't know the way. I don't know where you're going. So Jesus' response is, if you wanted to know the way, I am the way. <laughs> I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The things that we need to get relationship with God, to be in kingdom relationship with God, are going to come about because we are in relationship with Jesus. If, I, if Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father and we're going to build a mansion for you, and you want to know where I am, you better know who I am. When you know who I am, you know where I am. When you know who Jesus is, you know how to get to him. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, when you know him, he's not hidden. When you're kingdom, you get to see the way to him. Ah, uh, Glory to God. Struggling with where he is, it's because you need a refreshing on kingdom. Yes. Ah, glory to God. Let me go back over that scripture. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. Can you imagine me telling you, hey, I'm going to Peter Smith's house. I'll see you there. Bye. And the first thing you're going to say to me, well, hold a second. Who's Peter Smith? Where does he live? I don't recognize that dress. How do I get there? <laughs> right? Those are reasonable responses. But if I was to then turn around and say, well, I've been Peter Smith this whole time. You shouldn't, if you've been over my house 50 times, we've been hanging out. You just didn't know who I was. You just didn't know and believe who I was the whole time. <laughs> oh, maybe I should say Jelf. You didn't know my middle name was Jelf. Eh? Amen? If you want to know where I live, you should have just been paying attention to me the whole time. 
You want to know where I am? Pay attention to what I've been, where I've been going. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, <laughs> the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. People sometimes know that Jesus is the way, but they don't believe the truth about who he is. So knowing the way is completely irrelevant if you don't believe who he is. Because you're not going to try to get there no way. <laughs> you're not going to try to get there unless you believe on the truth of who he is. Some people are getting the truth and not the life. Some people are knowing the way and have no intention of doing it because they don't believe it. You've believed a lie. The rebirth is going to correct your eyes so that you believe what you are being seen. You've got to know this, but you've got to believe it. Ah, glory to God. Verse 7, if you had known me... Um, sorry, let me go back. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, if you had known me, ye should have known my Father. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Oh, you've got to not just know him, see him. There's a little bit more to him than just visually seeing because you're not going to see the eternal Father. This is about discerning. This is about understanding. This is about believing. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. You can almost feel the frustration in Jesus' response. Like, I've been preaching and teaching this. This is why I'm saying I'm not going to stop preaching and teaching it. Because if he had to do it, I'm going to keep doing it. And it's not like I'm saying there's a defect in you. I'm doing it for me too. I'm absolutely seeing this afresh too. Verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Like there is an incredulity to this statement. Like how is it that I'm... You, did, you didn't know what I was talking about? This, you thought when I was healing the sick, it was just me? You thought that when I was... I, I calmed the sea the literal elements, when I stopped them in my own name, you thought that was just me standing here? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's nobody stopping the wind just with the sound of his voice unless he is the eternal Father. There's no one gonna heal, bring bread into existence that doesn't exist but the eternal Father. Who else is going to produce in a man who has never seen a thing? Who else is going to regenerate limbs? You don't recognize me? I'm standing right here. So the word needs to be in us over and over again until we get it. Until we re-believe, until we reassert. Maybe he did know. But for somehow in this moment he had forgotten, it had gone from his mind and Jesus needs to say it again. He that hath seen me, hath seen the Father. How sayest, how are you saying this? Show us the, how are you saying, how do you allow those words to slip out your mouth? When I've been here the whole time, believe thou not that I am in the Father, 
and the Father in me, the words that I speak, unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the work. The work of the life of Christ was nothing other than the work of the Father. When Jesus was speaking to the people, I think it was in St. John, there came a moment where they said, um, Jesus says to them, they were comparing Jesus to Abraham. <laughs> and Jesus was making the point that Abraham would rejoice for me right now. He says, you're trying to do, he said, they said to him, are you greater than Abraham? He says, Abraham was waiting for me. Abraham was rejoicing about me. <laughs> Had you recognized who the father was, you know Abraham. But you don't believe what he believed, because if you had, you would have rejoiced to see me. What you know, you got to make sure you're believing this right. You can know all the things in the world, but if you're not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, this salvation will pass you by, the kingdom you will never see it, and that's why we've got to repeat it. If they can forget that Jesus is in the Father, in the presence of the Son, I'm going to remind you and feel unashamed about it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Believest thou not that, verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doth the work. He's doing this thing. Believe me. If you didn't believe me before, I know you've seen everything, but now I need you to believe me. There's a word that Jesus uses in the gospel where he says confess. The word confession is an interesting one because the word confession we think, think of as the word confession is to admit to something. When you're confessing something, you are admitting to whatever it is. So when you're in court and they say, hey, um, uh, you're guilty of going 42 miles per hour when you shouldn't have, right? And I'm saying, I'm confessing to that, I'm, I'm saying, I'm admitting to that, right? But there's a little bit more to that than confess means. It doesn't just mean to admit it. It means to agree with it. It means not just to admit and confess it and say it, but I'm saying I agree with it. When Jesus is telling his disciples to, con to tell the people to confess the Lord Jesus, now they're not just saying to admit he exists. They're saying you agree with what he's saying. Like, whatever Jesus said is good, I believe is good. I'm agreeing, I'm confessing him. Right, I'm not just admitting he existed, I am saying I agree with him. Yes, I'm saying to yes. The song we just sang, yes Lord, my life is yours. I am saying I agree. Whatever you say, I'm saying yes to. <laughs> whatever you say, I'm agreeing with. If you say it's good, I agree it's good. That's the part of the way, the truth, I'm agreeing with it. If you say that's the way, I'm agreeing with it. Kingdom lets you agree with Christ that this is the way my life's supposed to be. I agree. I confess it that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you have heard that it said by them of old time, thou shalt commit adultery. He says, you know what that law looks like. 
think that's Matthew chapter 5. If you can find it for me, that would be helpful. He says, you've heard it was said of them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, but I say unto you that whosoever look, yes. looketh on a woman to lust after her <laughs> yes. has committed adultery with her already. In He's taking this to another level. We said, okay, if you lie with a woman, that's it. Kingdom saying, I'm taking this deeper. You're not even understanding the point if you think that that's just what I was saying. Like he's saying that the adultery starts in the mind. This is the difference between knowing what the law is and living the kingdom life. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. He says the law was good, but I'm giving you a new commandment. What did he say the new commandment was? Love your neighbor, love your brother, love each other. This was a new level. And I'm saying, yes, I'm saying, Lord, I agree. Lord, I'm saying, yes, this is, this is what kingdom is required. I agree. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, St. John chapter 1, verse 12. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But as many as received him, that's what it is. To them gave he power. To them gave he power. To become the sons of God. To become, the, listen to this. But as many as received him. What am I saying by received? What am I saying? I'm agreeing with him. As many as received him as the true Messiah, what did he do to those people who agreed? To become, amen? He gave them the authority to become the children of God. Not from what they knew, but from what they received, what they believed. This kingdom, we've got to preach it, not till they know it, till they receive and believe it. I'm going to keep speaking about this until we receive and know it. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word.